today, the Feast of the Transfiguration. Jesus brought them up to a high mountain in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So dear friends, it's an honour to, to be here with you once more. Uh, it's over maybe 10 years since my last visit to you here. And uh, truly great to see uh, uh, you renewed in your faith and the work you do in this chapel. Yeah. Um, we are in this beautiful feast of the Transfiguration, which trumps the ordinary Sunday. We see uh, a, a very profound reality, <clears throat> um, and for many many years, I always wondered why. On this, in this episode, Saint Peter says to our Lord, uh, "It's good for us to make a few tents here. It's a nice place. We, why does he want to make tents?" Well, they were celebrating at this time the, the feast of of Tabernacles, the feast of tents, which commemorated their sojourn um, out of Egypt in a time they uh, made uh, tents to live in the desert. And in the celebration of this feast, our Lord takes them up up to a high mountain and to witness uh, the great transfiguration of our Lord. And this state of our Lord's brightness, his transfiguration, actually was the normal state of our Lord, the normal condition of our Lord. Uh, our Lord had to hide this from uh, people uh, in order not to hinder him in accomplishing his mission on earth. Uh, you can imagine, for me and you, to look at the sun, which is a creature of God. Uh, we cannot look at the sun for too long or come too close to the sun before either going blind or being burnt up. Well, how much more... Would that be the case of being in the presence of the living God? We would be consumed. We could not look upon our Lord because of his great brightness. Remember in the Old Testament, <clears throat> Moses, when he, he looked upon the burning bush with God, and then he would come down and speak with the, with the people, uh, they would make him cover his face. His face was too bright, too bright for them to look upon. How much more the brightness of our Lord's holy face. Uh, our Lord has to hide this. But our Lord takes this episode, which we, we see, we commemorate in the, normally the second Sunday of, of Lent. Our Lord takes them up to this mountain to prepare them, to prepare them to understand that our Lord is not only the fulfillment of the prophets, but also to prepare them for what's ahead, our Lord's passion and death. Our Lord wants to um, give them the context of what's to come, the context, because the context makes the world of a difference. Our Lord, yes, is going to be not only the fulfillment of all the prophets, but he's going to suffer and die as that fulfillment. But they ought not, ought not to be discouraged, disheartened, because this is part of God's plan. Uh, and they must enter into uh, that plan if they are going to be the instruments of God in this life. And in my last few sermons, the uh, last two particularly, I spoke primarily about two very important factors for us, and this is the third in the series. That is, the first two important things for us in life is that we must be able to first to think rightly in order that we may judge rightly. And if we don't think rightly, then we're going to judge badly. And our judgments, when they are bad, they're going to have serious consequences. We ought to know how to think properly so we can judge properly in order that we may act properly. And our Lord, you saw a few sermons ago, a few Sundays ago, um, explained that it's by our actions 
uh, our actions show who we are. By their fruits, you shall know them. And this is a very important reality today in our world. We see the world acts badly because it thinks badly and it judges badly. For us today, we want to consider some uh, very important realities uh, in relation to judging rightly, acting rightly, should I say. You know, we are called in this life for battle. That's why our Lord says in the Gospel today, don't tell the vision to any man till the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Because the apostles are going to need to struggle in this life. There's no, there's no tent of comfort in this life for us because we are called for war. And the devil uh, and the flesh and the world are at war with us and we should be at war with them. We should not be in uh, at comfort, at ease with the world, with the devil and the flesh. And the moment we make a truce, a compromise... There will begin to be disaster in our life as we see precisely what's taking place in the church which has been devastated ever since we embraced the false ideas during the council of fraternity, equality, liberty, all these ideas of the French Revolution which we just took on religious notes of ecumenism and collegiality and so forth. We see the consequence. In the end, these false thoughts have practical consequences. And we see this, unfortunately, with uh, our Pope today, who is much, not much more than an apostate, uh, ambassador of the United Nations. That's the reality. Uh, because he's got false ideas, which means, means he makes false judgments uh, and bad actions. They're all related. And, you know, we, we see this as a consequence, unfortunately, in the most very heart of the church in her liturgy, what we call the Novus Ordo Missae. Uh, they, they redefined their understanding of the liturgy. Therefore, uh, in their wrong definition, they had a, a, a wrong uh, ideas. Then they made, in practice, a liturgy which is not worthy of the Catholic Church. It's, not, it's worthy only of the enemies of our faith. And it's an insult to God. Uh, but you see, the thoughts have practical uh, uh, applications, consequences. You know, in, our, uh, in the last, maybe in the 20th century, there have been more, more Christians, more Catholics martyred for their faith than there have been in all the persecutions of the Catholic Church in its entire history. And how is that? How is it that today, as I'm speaking to you, we have over 50 million people enslaved, enslaved either in the sex trade or in the... Uh, uh, enslaved in all sorts of different perverted ways, uh, labor, uh, slavery. Um, and yet at the same time that all this is taking place and the perversion of our modern world, we have 1.3 billion Catholics in the world. How is that happening? How is it that we see, both in my country and your country, a, a massive increase in uh, suicides, uh, domestic violence, more than Two or three people every week, every week, are killed by their own spouse. Uh, uh, a massive increase in violence. Why? Isn't, aren't there 1.3 billion Catholics on the face of the earth? Aren't there still churches and buildings and priests? Yeah, but they're all empty. And they all stand for nothing. They become sterile, both spiritually and literally. 
they are empty. Uh, the Catholics are no different to the pagans around them. They have uh, lost their salt, and therefore, as our Lord says, when the salt loses its, its savour, it's not good for anything but to be trampled underfoot by men. And that's what we are seeing. We are being uh, enslaved. We are being uh, trampled underfoot by dictatorous uh, government regimes under the name of democracy. But why? Because we have become paralysed. Uh, you see, if the devil can't get you to sin, what he does do, he tries to paralyse you uh, from being effective in your faith. Because that's what he fears the most. That a Catholic be effective in his faith and bring souls to God. So he paralyses them. And he's done that, unfortunately, very successfully uh, through the instrumentality of most of the, the hierarchy today. And, and to be fair, the hierarchy, are the way they are, because the faithful in general, in general, don't really care enough to stand up to the wickedness that's being promoted by them. And they haven't cared enough for quite a long time. And that's very sad. That's very sad. But we are, we must never lose sight of the fact that we are at war. Life for us is going to be full of many real challenges. And therefore we have to make, on a daily basis, you have to make many real decisions in your family, in your life, in your, the way you approach things every day. You have to make decisions. And sometimes you've got some time to think about them. Sometimes you have to make the right decision in a, in a very split second. As somebody, you're driving down the road and some, someone or something uh, uh, jumps in front of you. What do you do? How do you react? What's the rules that you follow to act? I've covered some of those in my previous sermons, but today I want to give you some, uh, some simple insight. First, what, is, what am I here for? What is the purpose of my life? So let me give you an example. A real life, the other day a friend of mine called me up and said, Father, this man, he runs a nursing home. And he said to me, Father, there's, there's a gentleman in, in, in our community here in a nursing home he had a stroke a few, a few weeks ago, and um, he's very, very depressed, very saddened. So much so, he, he wants to commit suicide. He wants to be euthanized. And he said, I, I don't want to support that, and I made a decision. We will not ever support this path of action. I said, yeah, that, that's very good. So I asked him a few questions about the man, and I said to him, look, the, the solution of what has to be done is very simple. You just take the St. Paul's, Paul's approach to uh, this dilemma. St. Paul had, if you read his epistles in general, he had what we call the, the knuckle sandwich approach to life. Uh, and that is, started off, you know, bread is very soft on both ends. There. You put the bread on the bottom and the food in the middle and then the bread on top. Well, he started off very nice to those who he's writing to. Very friendly, very kind, very un understanding. And then he, he lays into them very bluntly. And then he ends it very nice, uh, encouraging them with some very uh, edifying words. I said the same thing with this man. This man, you have to understand, like most people, we don't get to this stage in life when things go bad that we, we um, want to throw in the towel. We don't get like that overnight. That's years of selfishness built up. So when things go wrong, he thinks only of himself. How I'm feeling. Uh, how things have gone wrong for me. I want to give up. What you tell him at that point, after you've come with a nice introduction and made him feel welcome, you remind him that um, he needs to grow up. He's a selfish, rotten, sport brat who has not grown up. 
And you need to remind him, it's not his life is not about him. It never was about him. It's about God and his service to his neighbor. In a time when his family needs him the most to be manful, he's throwing in the towel and sulking. And then you end it with some nice and encouraging words. But the point is, we all do the same. We go through life, at me, myself and I. When things go wrong, the first thing we think about is sulking, feeling sorry for ourselves, self-pity. That's not how a Catholic thinks. That's not how a Catholic judges. And that's not how a Catholic reacts. That's not a Catholic reaction. But that's the modern world uh, that's eaten at our hearts, that gives us this mentality that we are entitled. And St. Paul makes the very opposite. He says that when we were born, we were born enemies of God and children of wrath destined for hell. We are entitled to nothing, absolutely nothing. Everything that God gives us in this life is a free gift of His goodness and His greatness. And it's in that context that we must know how to think, to judge and to react to the things that come before us. So the first principle then is when we come are confronted with something as Catholics, we must observe the situation. And what do I mean? That should be obvious. Yeah, you've got eyes to see. But no, observe it in understanding what it is, for what it is in the context that it's in, accepting the situation as it is. You know, often when spouses, they come and they complain to you about their spouse. They'll say, Father, this is the situation. And my, my response is often, you know, there's a saying that people who do the same thing, <clears throat> expecting a different result, are often seen as somebody who's mad. Okay, Why? Because you do the same thing, you get the same result each day, but then somehow, for some reason, you expect a different result this time. I say to them, well, your spouse, you've lived with them for many years. Yes, Father. Well, then, you know how they react, yeah? The, yeah. Well, then, why, why are you upset about it? That's the way they react. You're used to that. You're upset because you refuse to accept the situation as it is. You want it to be something different. But the reality is, this is the situation you've got. You have to respond according to the way the situation is, not as you want it to be. Otherwise, you're just going to, even if you're right, being right is not always what our life is about. For example, I remember saying to a friend, and I was in the car with this priest at the time, and uh, for some reason I was not looking, I wasn't the driver. But the, the priest, the driver, was in the right. The guy, another guy, ran the red light and hit hit the car. I reminded the priest. I said, "Father, it's not about when you're if you're dead. The being right means nothing. Uh, the same thing in your marriage. If if it's about being right, well, it's a good way to end your marriage. It's not about being right. It's about acting rightly, doing the right thing. You see another car coming at you. Well, you obviously have to do the right thing either by swerve or move out of the way or slow down." to protect your life and the life of the other person. Well, it's the same thing in, in the spiritual life, in the way we see things in the world. Yeah, you might be right, but is, that, is being right what you're about? For example, when you're disputing with somebody about the faith, are you there to be right or there to help them come to God? So obviously the way you approach is got to be not about just stating facts. It's got to be about winning the soul by the way you approach the situation. Uh, sometimes there, there is necessity for uh, the sledgehammer, but you've got to be prudent when you apply that because you've got to look at the situation, the way the person is going to react. There's so many things that you have to factor in 
But that presupposes that first you understand the situation as it is and are willing to accept the situation for what it is. Because if you're not, then you're always going to come and make the wrong decision. Even if you might be, as I said, in the right. But the decision is not about being in the right. It's about achieving the end for which God wants you to achieve in this life. Uh, that's what you have to look at. What is God asking of me in this situation? Uh, and there's always, in, in the back of uh, the mind of people today, there's always this uh, a response that they say, but Father, what if? Well, the, 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 the words, anything, St. Ignatius uh, of Loyola points out, anything that starts with the words, what if, comes from the devil. How many people refuse to do the right thing in their life because they're always afraid of the what if? As I said to somebody the other day, I said, my friend, you've got so much great qualities, so many things that you can achieve in your life, but you've become sterile, empty, because of this attitude. Uh, what if? I'm afraid. I put all these fears in my mind. We don't look at what if. We look at what is here and now. And, and, and what if all these things happen? Remember, one perfect example here is Our Lady. The, the angel Gabriel appears to Our Lady and tells her she's going to be the mother of God. What's Our Lady's response? How can this be? Me and St. Joseph, we've made a, a, a vow of chastity. How is this going to be? The angel answers, well, this is going to be from the work of God. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Ah, what is Our Lady's instant response? Be it done unto me according to thy word. This is, it's clearly from God. Then... Be it done it to me. The angel doesn't sit there and tell her the latest things or doesn't even tell her all the things that she's going to have to suffer or to expect. And nor does Our Lady ask about them. God will give you the grace at the moment that you need it. Not before, uh, not after, but at the time that we need it. Each day at a time, God gives us the grace when we need it. Therefore, we, we trust in God's providence. We must be realistic about the situation. We must be realistic about who we are and, and our limitations. But our limitations must never define us. I am I'm fragile. I'm weak. I've got all these uh, sh shortcomings, failings. Uh, I understand that. But that's not what defines me. St. Paul says, with God, I can do all things. What defines me is that I'm a son and daughter of God. And therefore, with God walking with me, I can do all things. That's the realistic approach. That's the, the uh, we observe, we look at the situation, then we orientate our direction to, okay, what am I supposed to be doing here? I understand the reality. What's God? Then you act according to that direction, that reality. Where are you going? Well, you're here to go to heaven. Therefore, everything must be directed to that. Uh, 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 somebody on the battlefield what am I here to do? I'm here to conquer the enemy the enemy is attacking, what do I do? I've got a few split seconds to make a decision well first the, look at the context, I've got to work out a, a, a way best eliminates the enemy without making and at the same time making sure that those who are uh, on my side are not harmed there's so many things that have to come into play I've got a spouse I've got children, well I've got a lead I've got a guide but in such a way that it's tactful, that I, I, um, yeah, I, I guide with firmness, fairness, but that it's, I'm leading them to Christ, not to myself. I'm not pushing my will, but the will of God. 
so many things have to come into play. But God will give me the grace if I correspond with that, with docility, uh, seeking His will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you. But it, it presupposes that we are willing to listen, that we are docile to, to God's word. For example, a really good example here, and often when I'm speaking with, with people who are married, my, often my, in the back of my mind is somebody like St. Monica. St. Monica, for example, her husband was a brute. He was a womanizer, an adulterer. Um, he was not a good man. He was a pagan. And then look at her son, Augustine. He was not baptized for many years, uh, acting like a, a, an arrogant little pompous twerp. But look at the way St. Monica reacted to both of them. She reacted to both of them very differently. To her son, she was very firm, stern, and tough. To her husband, she was very pass passive, very docile, uh, very loving. And yet, both of them were wicked people. Uh, and yet, the way she prudently reacted to both was different according to uh, both her role in relation to each. This is the grace that she corresponded with. And imagine she had failed to correspond with that grace. The consequences for perhaps all three would have been eternal. And the church would have lost one of the greatest saints in the history of the church and her husband would have been damned. Very serious. The way she thought, the way she judged and the way she reacted was not the same for each. But she understood the situation for each. She thought about it. She prayed about it. And she reacted according as God prompted her. Uh, yeah, she could have blasted her husband for his infidelity, but that's not the solution for her at that time. There's a prudence. There's a things to be considered. She could have um, said, well, he's my son, like so many people do, and just overlooked his faults. She didn't. She was very firm, very scathing uh, with Augustine. Uh, each given the grace to react in the proper way to each. And the consequences, as we see, they are eternal. Every action we do in this life is important because the consequences are eternal for us. And I think uh, uh, this is something for us always to consider. You know, every, every day, the priest... At, uh, in their office, particularly in the start of the day, the prayer of Maddens, we say, God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Domine Deus agitorium meum intende, Domine adjuvandum me festina. And I think we can be wise to repeat those words every day in our life. Uh, God, uh, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Uh, I need the guidance. I need the direction. I need to know... Uh, the prudence, the action to take. And as I said, sometimes we don't have a whole lot of time when we're going to make a decision. Sometimes it can be split uh, decision. Uh, and you know, but when we, when we are in those split decision situations, if we choose rightly, it's not because we all of a sudden, um, short of a miracle, we chose rightly accidentally. It's the years and years of choosing rightly that prompted that response, like Our Lady, 
The angel just tells her, <clears throat> you're to be the mother of God. When she's clear to her that this is from God, automatically, just a spontaneous response, be it done unto me. But that was because many years before, she was always docile to God. As the saints have pointed out, Our Lady first conceived our Lord in her heart before she conceived him in her womb. She was always a docile instrument of God. And that was only uh, come to its fruition, its fulfillment on that day. Her prompt response. It wasn't accidental. Uh, and uh, It's years of, of work. You know, to become a saint or to become a big sinner, they're both years of hard work. Hard work in the sense of sinners have to apply themselves regularly to their sin, to their bad thoughts, to their bad actions. That's how they become great sinners. And the same thing with the saints. They didn't become saints overnight. It's years of hard work, of sacrifice, of thinking of others, of putting others before ourselves. That's not easy. That's not an easy thing. But that's years of corresponding with God's grace. And that means that on a daily basis, me and you, we have to renew our orientation to God. We have to renew our daily sacrifice. I know it's not easy because we can go through life... Um, uh, and the, the sacrifices, the difficulties, the trials, they weigh you down. But we must never lose sight of why we are doing them. You know, it's this, um, this word in, in French, the raison d'etre, which simply means what's the main reason for which you are what you are. And that's the Archbishop said that the modern priests are lost because they don't no longer know why they're priests. So they... They do all these other silly things because they don't really even know anymore why they're priests. And when they try to act like priests, as they should, then they got shot down either by the faithful or by the bishops because they want them to be uh, babysitters for idiots today. They don't want them to, to preach the truth. And if they preach the truth, they begin to be persecuted. And they have to be willing to pay that price for being priests. And the same thing with parents. Mothers, fathers, many of them are, are traitors, like the priests and the bishops. They don't raise their children with backbone, with conviction, with direction, a sense of sacrifice. They sport their children, it's often sport brats. And that's what we are seeing around us today. Most of our politicians are sport brats who've never grown up. Never, they have no sense of responsibility, no sense of accountability for anything. And that's why we see them behaving like tyrants. Uh, that's the, the, it's the, the consequence, the logical consequence. Years of growing up with an uh, apathetic attitude, mindset, and you know they are rewarded by this, promoted uh, uh, for this perverted mentality, uh, and then you see them once they're on authority, they are dictators, they are oppressors, uh, and that's logical consequence. For us, uh, if I conclude, for us, the solution is uh, to first, to, as I said, to observe. And, you know, observe the reality as it is. You know, many people, you can confront them with the reality of the crisis in the church, like the priests and the bishops today, and they, they don't want to hear it. They want you to believe everything's good, everything's fine. Uh, no, that's not facing reality. And, you know, having uh, known the reality doesn't mean we have all the answers. That means I have all the solutions. But the first solution is to be realistic about 
what you have, what you're in, the situation. And, and God will give each one the grace to know what to do uh, once you confront the reality as it is. God can give us the solution to the crisis in the church, but most people don't want it. Uh, they want to live in their, their illusion, the delusion that they're in today. And perhaps when enough people care to give, have the truth presented to them, they, God will grant that to them. So we don't, and we don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to uh, be in this or that situation or how am I going to react when this happens. We don't have to know that. We have to know how to react here and now. Give us this day our daily bread, not for six months in advance or six years in advance, each day at a time. Uh, we live with confidence and trust in God, not in ourselves, each day at a time. We observe and then reorientate. Okay, what's, what's the primary focus of my life? It must be the supernatural reality. And it has applications. Yeah, why do you sometimes have to use the, the St. Paul's approach? Because the, 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 if not using that, if I'm not blunt and stern with some people, they're not going to get the message. And if they don't get the message, there's, there's the consequence is going to be eternal. They're going to go to hell. And they're going to lead others with them. So I have to uh, be blunt in this world sometimes to communicate the seriousness of the message. It's a serious message. And the consequences are eternal. So, okay, I, and that's going to me, mean that I make the right judgment according to that. And that's going to require courage, grace, strength, uh, determination. And we need to be willing to be determined. And I think the problem is today we become numb. We become numb with life. And, you know, you ask most people today, uh, what, what's your purpose in life? They say, I don't have any. So that young people today, they have no aspirations, no hope, because it's a world that presents no hope. And, uh, you know, as one person pointed out the other day, the, the, the world wants you not to believe in God. Why? Because they want you, and you see this today with the globalists, they want you to believe the world is hopeless and things are bad, so that they can make you believe that they are your saviour. They can make you enslaved to live by fear, so that they can act like you must see them as your God and Saviour. We only have one God and one Saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our God. And this means that we do not fear them. And when we fear them and we fear the world around us, then we don't really believe in God. We don't really believe in God. We don't need to fear what may be. Even what is, we don't need to fear that. We have to have confidence in God. He is greater than all the evils of this world and even the evil governments of this world. But one thing we must not do is fear them or be afraid of what they might propose to us. And this is why the saints were glad to die with a smile on their face because the things of this world were not their focus. Their focus was God. They could see through the emptiness and the lies of this world. This world and everything in it is passing. We can often lose sight of that. But we have a duty in this world, that a duty that we owe to God and we owe to our neighbour. Take, for example, here, and I want to just commend you on that, that you have a sung mass at a little chapel like this. And often I get this, this same response from lay people that, Father, but I prefer the low mass. Yeah, my friend, but it's a bit like when you go to confession. When you go to confession, it's not about you. You might think it's about you confessing your sins. It's about you saying sorry to God. Because what's the confession about? God. What's the Mass about? 
God. It's not about how you feel. It's about God. Therefore, the sung mass, because it gives, objectively speaking, greater glory to God, we ought to have the sung mass on the Sunday because God deserves the best of our time, our energy, our effort, our money, because God is the best. We often focus on how I feel. How I, that's not how a Catholic thinks. Uh, I might prefer the low mass, but I would never want to give God the low mass on a Sunday because it's about God the Sunday. It's not about me, how I feel, what's convenient, what's preferable for me. It's about what's preferable for God. How can I give God the greatest honour, praise and glory in this life and come to reign with him in the life to come? Let us ask in this beautiful feast of the transfiguration that we may be illumined in heart and mind and by this give glory to God in this life and come to reign with him in the world to come. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen.